stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Ben Rains, a Zach strategist who is also the editor of the Marijuana Innovators newsletter here at Zach's. And I've invited him on the podcast this week because we haven't talked about the pot stocks in a long time. It used to be a real hot topic here on the podcast, I would say about five or six years ago. And then it seemingly has fallen kind of out of favor, but maybe that means that there's some deals there. So I really wanted to take a look at some pot stocks this week to see, are there some values or is this a trap kind of situation? And what is going on in the cannabis industry? We've all been waiting a long time, it seems like, for some kind of federal response here on cannabis. We keep getting states approving it. And, um, you know, that's been passing in a lot more states over that five year period. But the feds seem to be still kind of dragging their feet. So where are we now on pot? And are there deals? So welcome, Ben. Well, thanks for having me, Tracy. Good to be here. Yeah. So you, you're, you're in charge of our newsletter with all these stocks. Um, I, I do know that some stuff is going on on the federal level once again, but it seems like over the years, you know, we've talked, um, off and on about what is happening. And so, for instance, there was this thing called the Banking Act, and that's been kind of hovering out there seemingly for four or five years, I want to say. And what that is that, uh, for those not familiar who aren't paying attention, that was basically going to be passed just to allow the cannabis companies access to the banking sector, because right now they cannot go to a bank and get a loan and, you know, start up their cannabis dispensary. That's not allowed. And every, a lot of things are in cash only as a result. And that's not a good thing you really want for an industry like this that's growing. It is, it is getting bigger. And so for years, it seemed like this was going to get passed. And it, and if I recall right, it, it did pass like the Senate or something at least one time, or maybe it was the House. It and then it the, didn't pass the, the Senate. I don't know. Time, I lose track. So. Yeah. So what is happening with the, uh, let's just start with the Banking Act thing. Like what is happening with that? Okay. Okay. So we, yeah, we can kind of go through the Banking Act and then we can go through some of the ideas of rescheduling cannabis, which was the big news earlier or I guess late August that sent all these stocks flying temporarily. So we can go to, yeah, we can go to the safe banking act if we want first. So at this point it's now called the safer banking act, uh, just a, a different acronym, but it's, it's pretty much all the same in the sense that it's going to try to let companies in the legal cannabis space operate like any other business would be able to, where they have access to anything that a regular business would, because at the moment, as you said, it's these cash-heavy businesses. They they can't get access to great financing. They can't get access to great credit. They really have to operate almost like they are, as bad as it sounds, like a drug dealers. Even though it's legal in half the country at this point in terms of recreational marijuana, so that's this act they're hoping to pass that would really, without a outside of federal legalization, the Safer Banking Act, what a lot of people in the industry think would help these bigger players and smaller players all be able to compete 
and access just traditional financial services that every regular business, no matter what you're doing, is able to access. And it's really hindered all of these cannabis companies for a really long time. And it's getting just worse and worse and harder and harder to operate these businesses, especially as you said, they're trying to grow. They're trying to be able to adapt to the expanding markets all over the United States. And it's just become more and more difficult without, as we said, access to everyday banking services that they really are not able to get in any way. Yeah, I think it's kind of incredible that they don't have access to banks, given the sheer volumes that they're selling right now. Like I know even in the state of Illinois, it's like over a billion dollars or something a year is is going in the in the cannabis sales here. And imagine that's just all cash. Yeah. So in late September, the Senate Banking Committee passed the, as I said, the Safer Banking Act in a 14 to 9 vote. Chuck Schumer is now, they're trying to get the ball rolling. It's a little unclear with, obviously, there's lots of things going on in the world that the federal government's trying to deal with at the same time. It's now going to be an election year. So we have to see kind of what the political will is for this to get passed at this point. Schumer has been a big proponent of safer banking and really cannabis legalization of all kinds and at the federal level. So he's still optimistic that they can get enough support because there is growing support even on the Republican side of the aisle, which has traditionally been very against drugs and anything related to marijuana as well. But uh, the grassroots support's finally showing that maybe there are enough Republicans that are willing to at least tell their constituents they're in support of these. So in the near term, it's really hard to say what's going to happen with any of these acts. Uh, I know colleagues of ours reach out to me all the time saying, oh, it seems like this is definitely going to happen now. But it, it's very hard to know where the federal government's going. And I'm not in these Senate committee meetings or these House meetings and knowing who's trading what to get what votes passed. But there are a lot of things, including the Safe Banking Act or Safer Banking Act, there's also the HOPE Act and the Graham Act. So the HOPE Act is ju just various other things. And then there's the MORE Act, which is Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. So this is kind of a, a wider ranging cannabis legalization bill that's out there. It's passed the House twice. But as I said, there's multiple layers to get through the federal government. And it's, it's hard to know exactly what's happening. But it does look a lot different than, say, even five years ago. There's a lot more talk about this openly. It's not a taboo subject by any means anymore. And as we'll get to later on with kind of the state-by-state -state legalization, it's a night and day difference from five years ago, especially 10 years ago. And then on the – just to kind of go more along the lines of what we're doing at the federal level or what they're trying to do, the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, so the HHS – Back in August, officially recommended easing restriction on marijuana in terms of the scheduling of the drug. So about a year ago, uh, the Biden administration said they were going to look into the scheduling of cannabis or marijuana because right now it's a Schedule One drug, which means it has no accepted current accepted medical use in a high potential for abuse. So this puts it along the lines of heroin, uh, which seems crazy since half the country is now, <clears throat> excuse me, legalized it recreationally. So the DEA has final say over that matter. And it's not exactly clear when they're going to possibly reschedule it from schedule one to schedule three. Uh, but 
the DA has, based on all the things I've read, never really rejected uh, the HSA's rescheduling recommendation. So at the moment, they're looking at three criteria, which would be its potential for abuse, uh, potential for medical uses, and then the extent at which it's unslaved slash addictive. So the hope is that there would be a rescheduling down to schedule three, which would then actually help it right away in terms of uh, some tax code. So at the moment, uh, there's a tax code uh, in the IRS called Section 280E, which essentially prohibits uh, cannabis businesses that are engaged in the trade or distribution of, quote, Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 controlled substances uh, from deducting expenses at the federal or in, on their federal taxes. So really, state legal cannabis business are, excuse me, are still kind of operating, even though it's legal in those states in medical or adult use or both kind of like drug dealers, as we said, which makes it more of the shocking that they're even succeeding at all. Uh, so that would be the hope right away from this descheduling. That said, though, or I should say rescheduling, people want it descheduled completely, though the broader proponents of like wide scale federal legalization think that if it just got descheduled, this would then just kick the can down the road and then cause even more problems that are kind of unforeseen at the moment. So despite all the hopes of rescheduling to schedule three, the big proponents of widespread federal legalization think that might not even be the best plan at the moment. So we'll kind of see where we go from here, but that's kind of where we are in terms of all of the federal level uh, legalization efforts and descheduling efforts or rescheduling efforts and the Safer Banking Act, it's all floating out there. But I mean, at the moment, as you kind of alluded to, I think you alluded to at the beginning, Ohio, just at the beginning of November, became the 24th state to legalize adult use cannabis. Uh, and that's a swing state. So this is not just deep blue California and places like that. It's it's a totally new world. So with Ohio, 53% of the U.S. now lives in a state where adults can legally use cannabis recreationally. Uh it's just crazy when you think about that uh, California in or Washington and Colorado didn't even legalize adult use until 2012 as the first state. So in essentially a decade, we've gone from nobody to half the country. Um, so it is it is moving in that direction. But that's what makes it all the more surprising that the stocks are such poor performers. You know, obviously they are businesses and they they've been struggling with all of these restrictions, um, you know, both like we were just talking about with the banking side of things, but um, also there has been supply and demand issues <laughs> with, with marijuana. There's been too much supply. And while there is demand, there hasn't been enough demand, it seems, because I know the price of cannabis has plunged. That hasn't helped some of the businesses either. So, um, yeah, and, and like with lots of things, there was a there was a big COVID shock, and then there was a rush for as more states kind of quickly legalized. There was a rush for a lot of businesses to get into it quickly. Then they overproduced, and then yeah, prices. It, it is big supply glut, and they're still trying to work through all of that. So that's certainly been a hindrance to a lot of these companies as well, as you mentioned. So let's talk about some of the stocks now. Um, Obviously, you run the newsletter, so you you have a handle on uh, all of these stocks, but it has been a difficult time the last couple of years. Obviously, a lot of the growth stocks in general 
have sold off. And that includes the, a lot of the cannabis stocks that were pretty hot during the, during the pandemic, they did get a boost because we're all getting stimulus payments and things and we had extra cash around and some of it might've made its way into the cannabis side of things. And now that's kind of ended. So we have, you know, begun to see a, uh, you know, pullback in a lot of these stocks, but I haven't looked at them myself in a couple of years, at least the actual like producers, the ones up in Canada. So I took a look at a couple of them for the first time in a couple of years. And I was kind of shocked at what the charts look like. So one of, one of the big ones I looked at was canopy growth, which, uh, CGC, right? Is the ticker? Yes. Yeah, CGC. That one is always up there on the list when everyone was talking about the cannabis, you know, producers and everything. And then the other one is Tilray because that one, T-L-R-Y is the ticker. That one had the big surge um, out of its uh, when it went public and everybody had a be in Tilray and it soared. It came back down, but then it, it got like a bid during the pandemic. But now <laughs> just looking at that chart, it's. It's terrible. And both of these stocks are trading under $2 and Canopy is even under a dollar now. It's around 60 cents. So um, let's talk about Canopy growth first, I guess, uh, because that's the cheaper one. I've noticed that a lot of people, you know, are, are simply kind of trading it now since it's under a dollar and it's at 60 cents. But um, I'm, I'm bringing up my my charts because I did want to look at the price to consensus chart, which is the earnings and earnings are still negative on canopy growth. So they're not, they're not making any money right now, but this is the price and consensus chart. And it, it is showing an improvement in the earnings outlook for the next, you know, at least through 2024, it's a little early on 2025, but look at that chart. I mean, it's down there near zero now. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that that same chart as well on a another screen, and yeah, as you said, Tracy, some of these stocks have certainly become trader stocks, and the average investor has become pretty like thrown off by these stocks because there was all this hype, and there's been so many of these boom bust cycles already. And I do think Tilray and Canopy became kind of a victim of the own like the own hype of the industry that wasn't their own fault. Like they went on these massive runs right when they went public. And then there was the big post Biden election spike where everyone thought, Oh, they're going to legalize cannabis right away now that they're in. So there was just all these euphoric runs that they couldn't sustain without the, what people were hoping for actually happening. So they went on these massive runs thinking, oh, well, federal legalization is a done deal. They're able to come to the United States. They'll have all this institutional money chasing everything. And instead, it's still been kind of business as usual where they're just operating in Canada. And it's just still just kind of a hodgepodge, ad hoc kind of world that they're living in. So Canopy, as you said, yeah, trading at 56 cents per share. It's certainly... If you have money and you want to just throw whatever small amount, you could see where it goes the next. Like that's what I keep telling my subscribers to the Marijuana Innovators newsletter is that these are still long-term plays. I mean, you think the big shift we've seen in 10 years in the United States. And then if you look at like the Gallup poll numbers and just 
the people in support of legalization, it's now on both sides of the aisle, kind of no matter where you're from. Now the biggest barrier to if you want legalization is your age. And as obviously older people become less and less a part of the things who are deciding it, younger people on both sides of the aisle are pro-legalization. So eventually we're going to get there. And these are just longer term plays that have gone through a brutal stretch. And I think there's just going to be more consolidation from companies like Canopy and Tilray. Canopy is actually still uh, a decent chunk of its owned by uh, Consolation, which is a big brewer. So they own Modelo, which is actually now Modelo Especial is the number one selling beer in the United States. Uh, so they have a big stake in the company. It's obviously been a drag on their business, but they still have long-term upside where they think that could play a big role in their portfolio, not necessarily tomorrow or next year, or even a couple of years, but down the line. So there's still people who have a lot of money at stake in this business that aren't directly tied to the industry that think there's going to be really big growth down the line. Yeah, I put up Constellation Brands chart right now, too, because they've always been considered to be a, a cannabis stock because of their, uh, you know, buy-in with Canopy Growth. And they are uh, making, aren't they still making, like, uh, you know, drinks and all of that? Canopy Growth and Tilray as well. Uh, Tilray, there, there's, you can think of Canopy Growth and Tilray kind of along the same lines, there are these big Canadian growers that have consolidated with other companies and then try to get into sort of the broader consumer packaged goods side. So along with cannabis, they're trying to get into the CBD beverages or cannabis infused beverages and Tilray's buying Tilray's buying up breweries in the US. So um Tilray's chart looks even more brutal to me. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I, I was reading Tilray is more on the wellness side. Is that the area that they're trying to kind of pivot towards too? They're, they're trying to get into really being as diversified, especially in the moment. So they have CBD and hemp-based foods and oils and supplement business. So they're just trying to have as many different pockets as they can grow in that's not just the core cannabis business, which is obviously struggling at the moment. So they're trying to expand as much as possible. They've gone through, they've bought up other smaller players. And that's going to be kind of like the name of the game for now is just surviving the current kind of struggles everyone's dealing with until more legalization happens in the U.S. or the Safe Banking Act or the Safer Banking Act or federal legalization uh, and then maybe just as there's less and less competition, because that's the thing too, is there, there were so many of these small players in Canada and everyone was just racing to lower their prices while growing so much that it became kind of like a race to the bottom in terms of these prices. And then obviously the taxes are really high in a lot of these companies too. And another thing that it's worth mentioning to anyone listening is because of the gray legal area that it's still operating in in the United States even in states like California, where it's been legalized for a while, there's huge black market still because, quote unquote, legacy users or people who were smoking marijuana before it was legalized have just gotten used to buying it that way. And it's much less expensive because they're not getting taxed out the wazoo. So that's a big hindrance to the entire industry is that there's still 
whole market undercutting these legal businesses. Yeah. Um, I'm always surprised that, you know, the uh, cannabis industry in Illinois actually is performing much better than the one in California, even though California's is much bigger. And that's because apparently, <laughs> apparently here in the Midwest, we, we weren't buying it off the street in large quantities <laughs> like they were in California. So we tend to trust the dispensary system more here than like out on the black market. So we are paying the taxes much more here in the Midwest. So, um, yeah, it's just like a state by state, you know, thing going on on the tax side of it, too. Yeah. And there have been some states that are trying to work around that that tax I mentioned on the federal level. So they're uh, that 280E. There's been some states that then try to, like, relieve your tax at the state level, but still they can't do anything about the federal level. So. As we said, it's 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 a complicated business to be in, but obviously it's good to see that there are still people who are really like long-term advocates for making this happen. And there's a lot of people in this business that see the light at the end of the tunnel, even though it's pretty dark at the moment. Uh, I don't know if you want to like go into some other businesses to touch on or some other stocks, but... Uh, yeah, but before we leave these, um, so it sounds like you're actually kind of bullish on Tilray and Canopy growth, even though the charts are terrible, but maybe that's because the charts are terrible, right? So Tilray, um, I have the chart up still for Tilray, five years, it's down 97% there. And it is just under $2 now a share. Um, you know, so it, it sounds like you're kind of thinking if you do have a longer term horizon, that most of the sell-off is is done in these. I mean, just in terms of the numbers themselves, it would say that they can only go so much lower. And yeah, if you, I don't, I don't want to offer up some suggestion of like, a, but even if you had a hundred bucks or something, and you you have any hope of this industry over the long haul, it kind of just see it as a, a huge home run style play, which is essentially what this portfolio has been since the beginning. I didn't take it over when it started, but cannabis investing is a home run style hitter, like big, big swings and misses. And you're in this for the long haul and maybe one or two of the companies you invest in, say five, 10 years down the line, turns out to be a big winner in the industry and turns out to be like the Budweiser or Coca-Cola of cannabis in the US. And that could still happen. It's just it's certainly been a rough patch, but yeah, Tilray and Canopy Growth, they've made it through this far. They're they're doing all they can to weather the storm and kind of see where they are in a couple of years. Yeah. And if you want something more stable, obviously Constellation Brands, which I just put the chart back up for that one. STZ is the ticker. Um, it's not you know, it, its chart doesn't look anything like the other ones, but um, year to date, it's up only 1.4% and it's kind of moving sideways here, but it has the big business in the beverages, as you mentioned, with, uh, you know, one of the most popular beers in the United States right now. It pays a dividend yielding 1.5%. So this is uh, a business that has some cannabis exposure, but it's not solely cannabis so what's your take on a business like this if someone just kind of wanted to get get a little bit of exposure? 
Yeah, I, I owned Constellation in the portfolio for a while. Uh, it had done really well. It went on a big run kind of uh, from the beginning of January until sort of the summer sell-off and then got a little overheated and then it kind of got caught up in just the, that broader downtrend. And it hasn't really caught up since, even though the business has done really well. Uh, and as I said, Modelo is propping up all their negativity from canopy growth. So yeah, I think if you want to have exposure to the wider cannabis space without directly trying to bet on one of these really low price pure play stocks, certainly worth considering looking there. And you would consider it a value here or, you know, uh, on this pullback? Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, it like, the stock itself is only up, what, 20% over the last five years. So that's underperforming the market. But if if you want to have it as part of a diversified portfolio, it's certainly not a bad business. The business is strong, as I said, and it's very diversified. It's outpaced the consumer staples market over the last five years, where consumer staples are only up 2%, they're up 20%. So if you see it as a broader kind of consumer staples, alcoholic beverages slash cannabis play, it, it could be a good business, and then have a huge potential upside, say, years down the line. Let's turn over to the real estate side, because that's an area that most people don't think about when they think about the cannabis or pot stocks. And real estate has also become quite a huge business over the last you know, five years or so. And one of the biggest names in the real estate side is Innovative Industrial Partners, IIPR. Um, it's a, excuse me, properties. Oh, sorry, properties. Um, you own this one in the portfolio. I used to own this one in the Zach's Value Investor during the pandemic. We bought it and then it hit our stop. We got out. I still own it in my own personal portfolio. I never got out, but I'm putting up the chart here and you can see uh, in 2022 is when it hit our stop and we got out. The stock has gone lower since then, like a lot of stocks have um, off of those, you know, pandemic highs and uh, year to date, it's still down 21%. And over the last five years, though, it's up 44.2%. And this one is a REIT and they own the actual uh, real estate that all this stuff is going on about like the dispensaries or some of the like labs or, you know, places where they're growing the actual cannabis. And this is an actual business on the cannabis side that is making money. Yeah. And the, as you said, because of all of the regulations and lack of ability, <clears throat> excuse me, like availability of these businesses to get any real loans or work with banks, they've become the go-to lender. So yeah, they have a lot of businesses they work with in the legal cannabis space kind of all across the country. And as you said, they are making money, they're paying a dividend. The stock has fallen off its highs, but it certainly is not plummeted like a lot of these other pure play, totally, totally pure play cannabis stocks or the growers, I should say. Because this is a pure play cannabis stock. Right. Um, and we do have to clarify, they have had issues in the last couple of years with um, some of their partners and the ones that have the leases, you know, not being able to pay. 
There was a big one in California that wasn't able to pay uh, because the price of cannabis had plunged there and they were trying to compete with the black market. It wasn't working, so they couldn't pay on their leases. But they've they've worked through that. And then I saw in their third quarter uh, earnings report that there was another property in Pennsylvania that also um, isn't paying. I think it was $2.2 million there. So there is an occasional one um, like any business and any real estate where, you know, something's going on and they can't, they can't pay the lease. And, but so far it seems like IIPR has been able to maneuver around that. They've worked with, uh, their, their, uh, lease guys, <laughs> their partners, as they call them to try to keep them in it. Or a couple of times they have had to take back possession of the property, but, and then they're going to have to release that out. But I did see in the third quarter, they're 97%, um, you know, being paid right now. So that's a pretty good number. And they have been raising that dividend because as a REIT, they have to pay out the certain percentage of the income back to the shareholders. And through September, I saw that they are up 6% on that dividend payout to their shareholders. Um, so, so we'll see what happens going forward here. They basically are able to grow their business by more states passing, you know, it to legalize it on a recreational or a medical use, either one. And so now I'm kind of optimistic, you know, since Ohio is the latest to just pass, it is a big state. I, I kind of took a look at their uh, news feed before we went on the podcast to see if they've said anything about expanding in Ohio and, and recent, there was no recent articles about it, but I'm assuming since they've expanded in every other big state that has, uh, you know, passed, uh, either medical or recreational that they, they would be interested in going in there. And then I, I saw something else that was also interesting. So, People might be wondering, well, if they if there's no banking in this industry, how did IIPR get the money to go buy the buildings and all of that? And they've uh, always done a lot of secondaries where they've raised money off the share price to get a bunch of cash and then they reinvest it back in the business. But in the third quarter, I did see that they took out a loan from a commercial bank. A revolving credit line for $30 million. It's not due until I think like 2026 or something, but that gives them a little bit more of a wiggle room, just kind of, you know, to have that cash there if they need it. And that's a positive development in this business uh, because it is like a legit, you know, commercial bank deciding that this business is, uh, you know, worthy of giving a line of credit on. And so that I feel like that's a positive thing, but um, these shares are really cheap right here, trading around eight times, I think forward. And you do get that big dividend. It is a legit dividend, almost 9% right now is the yield because these shares have come down so much. So yeah, uh, they're down for the year again, but I've been dollar cost averaging because I did get in much higher uh, I can't remember what year it was that I first bought in, whenever the value investor bought in. It might have been 2020, I want to say. Um, but I, I'm at a much higher uh, average cost on my shares. So I do see this as kind of a buying opportunity. But what what do you see, Ben? Do you think that this this is a value here? Yeah, so I got back into this stock, I think, 
let me pull it up. I think I got back into it over the summer. The exact date was I bought back in on June 15th to IPR just because I was looking at some technical charts and, as you said, some valuation levels. And I just thought the near-term bottom was in. Uh, and at the moment, it seems like that has played out well. We're up about 10% on that stock since then. Obviously, there's been some ups and downs recently, but it's back above some key moving averages. As you said, their most recent report was pretty solid. And as you mentioned, they're operating kind of everywhere that cannabis is legal recreationally. I think they're in 19 states at the moment, over over 100 properties. So they're definitely diversified. So if they have a couple bad apples pop up, it's not going to hurt them in the long run. And as you said, getting that exposure from a, a like established commercial bank does prove that someone thinks this is a viable business and not just kind of a fly-by-night thing that's going to be gone sooner than later. Now, there are a couple other REITs that have formed out there that are competitors of theirs in the same business, but they're much smaller. And I kind of took a look at at those and neither had any kind of Zach's rank. So um, I ignored them basically, but there are a few other competitors. But as I said, they're a lot smaller in size. Okay, so uh, so we covered real estate. We've covered the actual kind of growers and you know beverages and food and things like that. What about on the drug side? So the last time I did one of these podcasts, I know that I talked about GW Pharmaceutical, which was at that time the only drug company because they were British <laughs> who actually had a approved drug that was you know cannabis based. Um, for childhood epilepsy. And so that was a big deal because everybody was really hopeful again, like, hey, there's going to be medical uses for cannabis and this could open up a whole nother market. GW Pharmaceuticals was actually bought out in 2021 by Jazz Pharmaceuticals, J-A-Z-Z. But, um, you know, it's just going to be a small percentage of what Jazz Pharmaceuticals overall business is. So I don't really feel like, or maybe you can buy jazz to get access to the GW pharmaceutical side where they do have this cannabis drug, but really their whole, um, you know, portfolio is going to drive this stock. And I brought up the chart for jazz and uh, five years, it's down 10.5%, but year to date, these shares are down 25% and it doesn't look like you get a dividend with it either. So what are you thinking um, and what do you know about any of the medical side, like the drug side, like GW Pharmaceuticals was in? Is, are, are there, is there anything else in development that's out there that we should know about? So I did own Jazz for a while. I actually had to recently sell it just because it kind of reached a loss I was uncomfortable with. As you said, they own GW. Epidiolex was the drug you're referring to that helps treat various uh, seizures related to, at this point, various syndromes. And they, they're they still, and obviously they're talking their own book, but they're really optimistic in the long term kind of, and they keep using the phrase blockbuster status for Epidiolex. It's getting approval in more parts of Europe. Uh, I think they were talking about Japan recently as well. But as you said, the stock itself just, it's kind of been just, if you look at the chart over the last 10 years, it's kind of just swung up and down and up and down. And it seems like it's kind of gotten caught in a wave where it's almost a trader stock as well. That's how it seemed to me because 
<clears throat> excuse me, the most recent report was actually pretty solid. The last couple of reports have been pretty solid. The guidance was solid and the stock just doesn't hold up and there seems to be little demand. So in terms of other like stocks that people can really buy that have the CBD or cannabinoid based offerings, there's really none out there at the moment. Uh, Johnson & Johnson has like a small sector of its business focused on like some upstart things that have a company that has some small cannabinoid based drugs in the pipeline and offerings, but it's such a microscopic part of their business that it, it's hard to say it's worth buying at the moment. And Johnson and Johnson has been crushed. Uh, it is a stock I own in the portfolio just because we're trying to get exposure to as many different areas as possible, but that stock has been hammered. They had the separation of their, uh, their like consumer side of the business. So Tylenol and all that stuff is now a totally new company. So that's impacting the stock as well. But yeah, the, the big hope of GW and Epidiolex has kind of not fallen off a cliff or anything, but it doesn't seem like as many other companies have really been able to build on top of that, at least anything commercially available yet. And as you know, the whole wider like pharmaceutical industry and especially these like upstart companies that don't actually have a drug that's on sale yet or are on trial, those are tough businesses to be in in terms of picking stocks and investing in stocks. So I can't recommend anything at the moment that's going to get you exposure to cannabis-based medicine that's going to benefit you in any way in the near term. Um, I see that Jazz Pharmaceuticals is trading at 6.5 times earnings. So that's pretty cheap. And I brought up the detailed estimates. And this year, earnings are expected to be up 40%. That's pretty dramatic. I know. that. That's I was so disappointed in the stock performance because everything there seemed to say it was going well and revenue is supposed to go up even higher in 2024 and earnings are supposed to grow on top of this big strength this year. And the stock just doesn't seem to follow. Yeah, that's a uh, definitely a value type of situation. And then just even looking at 2024, um, you see another gain of 10% with, you know, a nice jump in the earnings for 2024. So I wouldn't call this a any kind of value trap here because we do have the earnings growth both this year and into next year. So that's what I like to see, but the street still rejecting the, the stock. And as you mentioned, so um, I don't know, maybe, you know, it might go even cheaper here than the, even us value investors might be interested in something like this. Yeah. Right. Eventually. I mean, that's what I keep saying in all of my newsletters is eventually things become too enticing to pass up, even if it's more of a near-term play. Eventually, these companies that are running viable businesses that have actual earnings, and they get to a point where you're thinking, how is no one touching this? <laughs> yeah. So maybe we've come full circle on the pot stocks. You know, they started off kind of, well, it did start off kind of crazy and super hot. People called it a bubble, especially like Tilray. Um, when it first came to the market. And now, now we're in the other side of things where nobody wants to touch most of these and now they're really cheap. So it sounds like 
you know, from our question to start this podcast, are these values or traps? We're, we're basically both kind of agreeing that these seem like values. Yeah. I mean, it, it went through such a crazy hype at the beginning and then for everyone to get excited kind of in little spurts and just to be continually disappointed. I feel like at this point, all of the negativity could be as close to priced in as possible. So if you're a longer term investor who's relatively bullish on the wider legalization of cannabis in both the US and other places, I mean, it's legal in all of Canada, Germany's getting closer to possible federal legalization. Uh, That's kind of the economic engine of Europe. So these are big, powerful countries that are supporting this. And you would have to think more countries would follow. And as we said, like 10 years ago, this industry was hardly anything. I mean, Washington and Colorado legalized in 2012 for adult use. And now Ohio just came became the 24th state. And it's I just want to stress once again that it's not it's now just kind of all different states. I mean, Missouri has legal adult use cannabis. People don't really think of Missouri as like a, a place that would legalize weed for lack of a better phrase. So I think it is just something where it's happened so quickly, but in terms of these long scale things, it might have to take a lot longer for these stocks to really turn around. But long term, I would think that we have to be near the bottom because just so much pessimism is priced in and the ball is is rolling at the federal level. It's just it's kind of wobbling at the moment, but it's it's going in one direction and that is towards more legalization, even if it's just every state legalizes federally or every state legalizes recreationally and medically. And then the federal government is just kind of forced to act. It's going in that direction. It's not going to reverse course anytime soon. Right. Okay. So let me recap the stock tickers we talked about on this episode. There was Canopy Growth, which is ticker CGC, Tilray, T-L-R-Y, Constellation Brands, STZ, Innovative Industrial Properties, IIPR, and Jazz Pharmaceuticals, J-A-Z-Z. That one's easy to remember. And be sure to tune in for all of our podcasts because uh, we are covering all of these uh, interesting types of uh, topics and uh, the end of the year is coming soon. So we'll be covering you know, the end of the year topics like what's going to happen in 2024 and are we going to have a recession? Yes, we're back to that again. So be sure to get us somewhere. Get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Amazon Music. We're also on SoundCloud. And be sure to get the video podcast on YouTube at zax.com slash YouTube. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.